When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackfine, joined every Tuesday and Thursday by my main man, Donnie Droon. Find us on YouTube.com slash Talk or anywhere you get your podcasts. And today, we are going through... The training camp battles because for the first time in what feels like 15,000 years, no exaggeration, football is right around the corner, and I mean that literally. We are less than a week away from training camp. This is the second last podcast before training camp. Well, I'll do one tomorrow with Derek, but then we're there. We're ready to roll. So, Donnie, it's a beautiful day in the park. It's a beautiful day in the park. How you feeling, my friend? Feeling great. It's a little early. We're uh, a few hours behind True. the normal schedule. Um, so trying to get the, the crush out of my eye and get my day going. But I mean, <laughs> and anytime you wake up and talk Steelers football, bro, especially on a Thursday, like the, the Friday before Friday, perfect way to start a Thursday. Beautiful. Let me ask, did you eat some hot dogs yesterday for National Hot Dog Day? Dude, I did you didn't not even know. know. Oh, shit. Dude, I, I had no clue. Should have known. I locked me and the fiance out of the house at about 8.30 at night because we went to go get milkshakes before the hot dogs, obviously, and locked us out of the house, had to drive to her parents' house to get a key, came back. It was like 9.30 at night. Still, I was out there cooking dogs on the grill at like 10 p.m., just waving at the neighbors. Yeah, it's just like I got to eat a hot dog. It's National Hot Dog Day. Are, are you capable of eating dessert before like a like an entree? Dude, I could eat a milkshake. I could drink a milkshake at four in the morning, seven in the morning. You could hand me a milkshake. If like you put a milkshake next to my bed, next to a glass of water, and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was thirsty, I'm drinking the milkshake. Ten out of ten times. Every I have a serious milkshake addiction. I I love like ice cream and sweets. It's much next guy. I mean, look at me. Um, but like <laughs> I always feel like after I eat something like like legit food, it, it just tastes a lot better. Like coming after, I'd like I always feel like something sweet needs to be had to kind of like put the cherry on top of whatever I just ate. I agree with that. I agree with that. Like if someone said, "Yo, there's dessert and there's a meal," you're gonna get them both. I'll wait, you know, because I'm a civilized human. But I am the person that like we live down the street from a milkshake factory. And we've been invited to dinner at like multiple neighbors' houses. And my next door neighbor, actually, we went to dinner over there. They cooked the steak. Shout out them. And before dinner, I made a walk down to the milkshake factory, came back, ate a whole steak dinner with like three glasses of wine after a milkshake because I do, I do, dude. I have a, we had to limit how much I'm going down to get milkshakes, actually. That's how close <laughs> we are. And the first two weeks we were there, in a matter of two weeks, I think I drank like 11 milkshakes. Damn. Like, Dude, it was bad. Milkshake Mondays. Now it's Milkshake Mondays. 
I've limited myself I to one milkshake. That. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying not to be fat anymore. So, like, you know, I've cut that down to sometimes zero milkshakes a week. They're rough weeks, but, yeah. you know, sometimes you got to be strong. Sometimes you got to be strong. All right. Dude, I can't imagine all the boys in your yard right now. That's crazy. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's an Instagram caption. That's a that's an Instagram caption. Um, so shout out Aiden in the chat here. What's Ken up, Pickett jersey for the 18th birthday. Bro, happy, happy birthday, birthday, my man. Yeah. Happy birthday for real. That's a great birthday present. Let's talk, and that's a perfect that's a perfect transition. Let's talk quarterback battle to kick these to kick these competitions off. Yeah, Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph. We've gone on and on and on and on and on about these three names. I'm getting tired of it, but we're nowhere near the end. Nowhere. We're about a month and a half away. Heading into training camp, I think we both agree that we're not going to see much change immediately in how these three players, you know, see the field and interact during practice. Let me ask, do do you see it changing at all before the preseason? Who takes what snaps? No. No, I don't. Not unless... Kenny looks really, really good, which is obviously like a best case scenario for everybody involved. Um, but like, I, I still think at least heading into the first preseason games, um, Mitch will kind of walk in as a starter and then Mason will still be kind of like that quarterback too. And then over the course of those three preseason games, I think we'll see kind of um, a, a more legitimate um, uptaking for Kenny Pickett to climb himself from quarterback number three to quarterback number two. Um, but I mean, like we've talked about so many times before, this is Mitch's jobs to lose, right? Like there, there's like, and especially with Mason and what we've seen from him and a rookie Kenny Pickett and just the Tomlin's past history of not wanting to play rookies right away and put a whole lot of, uh, burdens on a rookie's shoulders when they don't know what it's like to play in the NFL quite just yet. Um, it, dude, like it, it's going to take a lot for Mitch not to be the starter, at least in my eyes. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to take a ton to beat out Mitchell Trubisky at this point. I will say everybody seems to be in the same consensus, except for me, that Mason's going to be the number two. And, you know, maybe we're maybe maybe everybody's right because you're not alone. Every, like everybody seems to feel that exact same way. I think it's going to be pretty quick into training camp that we see Kenny start to take team two reps. Like two weeks, you know, it's not going to be immediate. Mason's going to get his shot, but at some point, like we talk about it so often at at some point, we know what we're getting from Mason Rudolph. We've seen it for years now. It's not going to change. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get worse. You got to give Kenny some real reps. And I think that moving him to two and just like making it sporadic allows the coaching staff to curve questions of is Kenny now the number two? You know, because then it's just like, oh, everybody's getting a shot everywhere. You know, we're all going to work everybody out. Mitch, I think, is going to stay the number one. I agree with that one. Yeah, the, the the dilemma I've been facing, though, at least in terms of trying to figure out this puzzle when it comes to the quarterbacks, is I do think eventually we will see Kenny Pickett overtake Mason Rudolph yeah. as the second best quarterback on this roster. But, like, in the scenario where, like, Trubisky goes down in a game, Right now, and obviously this is way before training camp, we haven't even seen Kenny Pickett throw against live action, let alone against a whole different team. Yeah. Full of dudes trying to make their own roster. So, like, they're, they're going to be playing. 
I think if Mitch were to go down, I, I think right now Mason's probably the guy they rolled out onto the field. And so I, I guess kind of, kind of like by default, at least in my eyes, right now that makes him quarterback too. But like it's a weird dilemma for me because I also think Pickett – is going to be the superior guy at the end of the day. Like whenever week one rolls around, I think Pickett's the second best option on the team. Like it, like almost instantly. Yeah. So I agree with that. I think right now Mason is number two and he's got to be treated like number two. Kenny's done nothing and not in the NFL to say, Hey, I'm the number two guy, but you're right. At some point you you're going to look at these two guys and say, well, Kenny's a first round pick and Mason Rudolph's a fifth round guy. Who's never proven to be a starter. You have to go with Kenny. I think by the time the season starts, Kenny will be number two. But maybe heading into the first preseason game, maybe even the second preseason game, Mason will still be rocking that number two spot. But once you see the difference, I mean, like, we'll all see it. Unless we don't, unless oh, Kenny's yeah. just like a total bust, at least in year one. But I, I highly doubt that. Once we see it, the coaching staff's going to see it. And there's you can't hide that. You can't be like, oh, well, but we've put a lot of faith into Mason Rudolph. It's like, I, I don't care. Like, that's not an excuse to keep him as the number two. So, I, I, yeah, I think right now he is the number two. Once week one rolls around, Kenny will be the number two. Maybe, I mean, and I think at some point he'll have an opportunity to start, but I don't know. We'll see. We both agree Mitch is going to walk into week one as the starter. When do you think Kenny does get an opportunity to start? Do you think – it's at any point this year. Actually, a, a bigger question than that. Do you think that it's a lock that if Mitch is the starter this year, he's the starter next year? Or do you think that it's another quarterback competition next summer? No, I, I think it's another quarterback competition next summer. Um, almost, I think, regardless of what plays out, there are a few scenarios to where, let's say, like Mitch goes down a week two and like Kenny pulls a Big Ben. And just yep. leads the Steelers to just a crazy regular season. Well, okay, well, I think we found our guy. You know, yeah, I don't think we need to invite uh, Mitch and Mason back to training camp to you know try to figure out who's going to be our quarterback in 2023. Um, I, I don't think Kenny's playing time, um, at least whenever like compared to like Mitch Trubisky or like even like how well Mitch Trubisky does, um, barring like a crazy playoff run or like a Super Bowl. Um, I think Kenny Pickett, with a year of NFL experience underneath his belt, whether that's on the playing field or on the sidelines, um, I think that'll really prime him to become the yeah. starter in 2023. I, I think that what the Steelers don't want to do is what you see a lot of other teams and organizations do, just throw their guys to the wolves, especially at the quarterback position, and then end up just having way too much on their plate instead of yep. gradually kind of working themselves. And now obviously, you have guys like, Man, like Big Ben came in right away and had success. We saw Dak Prescott come in right away after Tony Romo got hurt and have success. So, I mean, they, there are definitely players in cases where that is a, a thing and it's become very successful for both sides. Um, but when when you're evaluating Kenny Pickett and you're looking at his overall picture with the Steelers, I don't think the Steelers are really concerned about 2022 and if Kenny gets on the field. I think they're trying to look big picture. I tried, I, I think it's a, like a 10 years down the road thing. Like, will we still have Kenny Pickett as a franchise quarterback seven to eight to 10 years down the road? It, if we did, then we took the right steps in the beginning. What does Mitch have to do to, to make this interesting enough to say, all right, well, maybe Mitch is the dude. Like, does he have to win a Super Bowl? Could he make him to the play- take him to the playoffs? What if he I, wins I think their a, first playoff I think a game playoff in five years? Berth, I think a playoff berth would kind of um, 
raise some eyebrows for sure. But even then, like you'd really have to look at the play of Trubisky. Yeah. Like th- there is a reason the Bears let him go. There is a reason he had to go to Buffalo to sit behind Josh Allen for a year. Like let, let, let's stop pretending that. Granted, the Chicago Bears weren't a phenomenal football team, but like you pointed out time and time again, they still made the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky at the helm. Clearly, they yeah. they weren't some dumpster fire um, like the current Chicago Bears or like the Jacksonville Jaguars are right now. Like yeah. they, they they had some pieces for sure, and a lot of it is going to boil down to whether or not Trubisky is actually capable of leading an offense out into the field. They don't need him to be Patrick Mahomes. They don't need him to be Josh Allen. They need him to not turn the ball over and command an offense and lead it down the field. They don't need yeah. him throwing 400 yards, three touchdowns a game. That's just not something that the Pittsburgh Steelers will require out of Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I agree. I think he's got to win at least a playoff game for that. And it, like he's got to win it. It can't be like, oh, well, the Steelers won it. Mitch almost lost it for him to have an opportunity to come back and compete for the starting job. But you're right. It's all about the play. Like as we'll see throughout the year, I think by week eight, we can have an idea of how good Mitchell Trubisky actually is in this offense, which I'm not mm-hmm. going to write him off. I think that he could be a good quarterback. I think he's got everything you need to be a good quarterback. But you're right. You got to see the play. You got to see how it pans out. Then we can make decisions about the future. But right now, I'd say that's Mitch's job to lose, and it's going to be very, very difficult for him. To well, lose. It, Did it, you here's s- my thing. Let's say like best case scenario, Mitch does play really well, and like yeah. he goes and like, wins him a playoff game. If you're confident in Kenny Pickett, bro, you can offload Mitch for for a draft pick. Like you that's could. The, the, that's exactly what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith. Like Alex True. Smith never led them to a Super Bowl. And granted, like Alex Smith right here, Mitch Trubisky below yeah. the desk right now. Um, but like if, if that were to happen, like you already have your guy, you can probably get something in exchange for Mitch Trubisky. I'm not talking like a first or second round pick, but like something at least worth value you can add to your squad. I agree. I agree. Um, for everybody watching, just got a little bit of breaking news here on my phone. In celebration of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, Steelers Hall of Fame running back Franco Harris will be the honorary captain of the 34th annual Steelers Run and Walk on September 3rd at Acrisure Stadium. That's a weird one. That's a weird one. Yeah, I agree. A draft pick would be nice. I think that's the future we're looking at is a Mahomes, Alex Smith. I mean, you could go through – literally all of them for the last five years of transition into rookie quarterback. You're not really ready to take that leap. So I like it. I agree with that. I agree with that. Let's move on to the offensive line. Kevin Dotson versus Kendrick Green's the big one, but Michael's got a question here in the chat uh, about offensive tackle. Right now the backups are Joe Hag and literally nobody else. They're not going to add anything to that. They're, they're, they're definitely not. Do you, how bad is it going to come back to bite them in the butt that they're not going to do that? I mean, just banging on one of those guys, not getting hurt. Um, Joe Haig didn't play super awful last year. Like we had initially thought he was going to Yeah, uh, much better than like, you by, told me by, he was going by to. By no means, like bro, if Joe Haig goes into the game, like I'm not like grabbing my phone, fam- foam finger, excuse me. And like trying to get his autograph, like like he yeah, he general. wasn't super crazy. I know, right? Joe, sign this, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, you're you're just banking on those guys being healthy, and you yeah. know you you look at like a Dan Moore, you look at Chooks, and, and obviously Moore played 
decent last year. Um, I don't want to say he played great, but there were times where he did look like the team's best offensive lineman, but I don't know if that's like an indication of how good he was or how bad the other four guys playing next to him were. Um, you always want to have like good tackle depth. Like it's not something you can never like really go without, but also at the same time, like those guys aren't really like being substituted every play. It's not like receivers to where like you're legit using like four or five guys per game. Like it's one left tackle, one right tackle. And that's it. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. And after that, you kind of roll the dice from there. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, you got Chaz Green who played a game last season. You don't feel good about him. Joe Haig played fine. I thought Joe Haig played way better than I expected him to play. On top of that, you'll have John LeGlue who could play across the board. So I think he'll be on the roster somewhere just as like an emergency. So it's not great. I would love to see them add a tackle next year very early in the draft, if not a big name in free agency. Mm -hmm. But right now, I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's their most ignored spot. It's very concerning, but it is what it is. That's at the at the end of the day, the Steelers put themselves in this position. They got to live with the consequences. When it comes to Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green, I do you think it's going to be a real competition where they split first team reps, or do you think this is just like the quarterback? Kevin Dotson's got the upper hand, and Kendrick Green's got to really prove himself. Yeah, you you would think it's kind of the the second option, and that's really no. It's like the Kendrick Green because like, I do think he's probably a better guard than he is a better uh, center in the NFL. Oh, gosh, yeah. But you could like, put him from, at running back and be a better running back than he is center. <laughs> Easy. From from what we've seen from Kevin Dotson, I mean, we've seen the flashes. We, we've seen how solid of a guard he can be. Um, he just hasn't really returned to that form that we saw a few years ago. Um, you still want to give him the benefit of the doubt, especially if it's competition being at his position. So I totally 100% get and kind of agree with Dotson taking first team reps and that, you know, if Kendrick Green can do something crazy with the second team reps, then sure, then you elevate Green, you start to uh, split the starting reps. Um, but by no means do I want any of these guys to be comfortable. And I think that goes for the same for Mason Cole. I think that goes for James Daniels, although it does look like, Colvin Daniels are going to have their spots already not like cemented, but I mean, it's going to take a lot for those guys to basically not become starters for Pittsburgh next year. Yeah. Um, So when it boils down to that, yeah, it's Dotson and Green at left guard. And I've seen Dotson play at left guard. I kind of already know what he can do. Uh, The jury's still out on Kendrick Green. So I I think I, I would rather see Kendrick Green prove to me he can handle second team reps before he can prove first team reps and take those reps away from Kevin Dotson. Yeah, I agree. I think Kevin Dotson's NFL capable. He's shown that he's NFL capable. It's just staying healthy. And this has to be the last opportunity. You know, like you can't look at Kevin Dotson and say, oh, he went down again this year with an ankle injury. We'll give him another shot next year. Like if you can't stay healthy this season, you got to move on from Kevin Dotson as your starting left guard. But that being said, we saw right from the jump in his rookie season that he's capable of being a starting left uh, left guard in the NFL. Like that could happen. Last year, I wish I saw more of him. The ankle injury left a big question mark, but when he's healthy, he's good. Like he's really good. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he told me that his ankles are stronger than ever, that he's worked all off season on them, that he's hundred percent. I know every player is going to say that stuff, but th- I think that's how you have to look at it is if Kevin Dotson is healthy, he is somebody that, I mean, James Daniels, your building block. That dude is 24 years old. And I think that he could be the future of the offensive line. Kevin Dotson's another dude that I think you could build off of. 
that if he's healthy, you could sign him to another contract and look at this guy and say, all right, well, we have our guards. Now we have to build the rest of the offensive line. And, and I, I think that's that's how good he could be. Derek said something to me on Friday. It was that you you saw you see what you what you put in. You know, like the Steelers have guys, TJ Watt, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, now Kenny Pickett, where you see the return on interest because that mm-hmm. interest is very high. The Steelers have no first round picks outside of James Daniels that sit on the offensive line. You have a bunch of third and fourth round dudes that you're trying to turn into superstars. Mm-hmm. It's either going to A, not work out, or B, it's going to take a while. And I think that that's how you have to look at every single one of them. I think Kendrick, Kevin Dotson's here. He's the most mature on the field, ready to go. But anybody who's writing off Kendrick Green is jumping the gun way too early. Like it's impossible to, to change positions and be super successful at it, especially center when you've never played center before. And he's a third-round pick. You know, he shouldn't have started at guard last year, let alone changing a new position when he's super small. So I think that, I, like like you said, it's going to be Dotson, but I would love to see Kendrick Green, like, actually contribute this season in some which way or form, even if no, it's a sure. swing I want, I want the best five football players out there. I, yeah. I, I really don't care, like what that lineup looks like. I, I just want the five best offensive linemen out there. And to yours and Derek's point, like when the Steelers were really successful on the offensive side of the ball, yep. not a coincidence you had high picks on Pouncey, high picks on yep. the Castro. I mean, dude, yep. it's just like the, whenever the Steelers were like considered a top five, top three offensive line in the National Football League, they built that through the draft. And yep. that's, that's not the sexy way of going about it. Like, I get it. Um, that's why I was very much in favor of getting an offensive lineman as opposed to Najee Harris a couple of years ago. I'm still in favor of drafting an offensive lineman over running back in the first round. I, I love Najee. Najee's a great dude. I'm so happy he's a Steeler. But, like, fixing the offensive line with high draft picks pays off over and over and over again. And I think yep. that's something we're probably going to have to see the Steelers do in the next few years if they want to get back to that type of football. Yeah, no doubt. I have no faith that Chooks is going to show to be – I think Chooks is going to be just fine this year. But I have no – like, but just fine is going to be not getting bullied. I have no faith he's going to be worth the second year of his contract. Dan Moore, I don't know what to expect. I'm, I'm going to leave those expectations totally blank. And I'm just going to say it's a second year. He's a fourth-round pick. He shouldn't have been there last year. Let's see what happens this year. But you need a center. You might need a guard. You got to start investing in this offensive line. You're dead on. Like, you can't. Like, the Steelers are never going to change. They're going to sit exactly where they are, maybe move up four or five spots in the next year or two when it comes to their offensive line value. But if you're not investing, you have to. And there's a lot of people out there. I mean, I get texts every single day from people that are like, Oh, got to take a quarterback, got to take a running back, got to take a wide receiver, got to take this, got to take that. Like, you want to know you need? You got to take a left tackle. You got to take a right tackle. Like, you got to. You can't keep making excuses on why you're not because that's – I mean, dude, Ben's best years were behind a really good offensive line, and it took a long time to get there. But you saw what Ben can do when he was back there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a total game changer. It's a go- total game changer. All right, so we're both in agreement. Left guard. Goes to Kevin Dotson as of right now. Kendrick Green, way too early to be writing him off. 
third running back. I think Benny Snell's probably locked in at the number two, especially because of his special teams. Najee Harris, clearly the number one. Um, Number three, I don't think Anthony McFarlane is a lock for anything, although I really hope that his talent meets expectation. Then there's Jalen Warren and Mateo Durant, the undrafted guys out of Oklahoma State and Duke fighting behind him. I've made it clear a couple of times, like last year you saw that Kalen Balaj was better than Jalen Samuels instantly. I did not see that when it came to Anthony McFarlane, Mateo Durant, and Jalen Warren. Nothing sparked me with those two guys. Do you think there's a real opportunity for one of them to actually make the team? Brother, I haven't even seen them take the field. I dude, <laughs> I have no clue what to expect whenever it comes to the third running back. All I can really speak on is Anthony McFarland and like it's you've seen like maybe one or two plays from him where it's like, oh okay, I get it. I I I get the Anthony McFarland hype train. Um, but dude, if if you're looking for a third running back behind Snell and like Najee, you're probably looking for like maybe maybe like a, a really good pass blocker, maybe a really good like special teamer, uh maybe maybe like a like a bona fide speed guy. Take your pick, man. It's basically what you want at the end of the day to kind of help round out your team. If it's a speed guy, McFarland, dude, like I said, I've yet to see like Mateo Durant materialize um, on the football field. Trey Edmonds is still like on the on the field, and then you have Jalen. Dude, he's he's a uh, practice squad. If if they ever remove Trey Edmonds from the practice squad, I'm going to be verbally upset about that decision. (laughs) That dude has zero, zero NFL talent. Like, he can't play an NFL game. He, can't, he just can't. He's not built for it. I'm like, he, he, he's a warrior. Like, if you put him at fullback, he would make plays. I, th- I personally think he'd be better than Derek Watt. Because he, but he busts his butt, dude. Like, he is the hardest working dude on the field all the time. Always has a smile on his face, no matter what his role is. Like, you can't. You can't get rid of him. Can't get rid of him. Let me um, ask you this. Are we overlooking ball carrying opportunities for Connor Hayward? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not yet. Okay. He hasn't worked at running back or fullback at all. Okay. I think that could happen, but I think right now he's focused on being the third tight end. I for would sure. like to see something change, but Dude, I, I, I just right know now, for sure there's going to be some point this season where the Steelers are down like, 17 and then they're going to try like a fake punt on their own 30 yard line it's going to be like a like a fake sweep to connor hayward and he's gonna get tackled for like a five yard loss like i can already see it happening yeah Uh, yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah it's gonna get it's gonna get bad but i do like connor hayward i like what i've seen on a connor hayward i will say this i've been pushing the anthony mcfarland button for a long time three years now i think he's got everything it takes to be a quality nfl guy i i do i think he's a He's got good ability to catch the football. He's ridiculously fast. He's really quick. He just hasn't. He just hasn't panned out, and I don't know why. I think some of that has to do with the fact that the Steelers don't put him in opportunities. I mean, you got to remember his rookie season. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but they threw a pass to this man who played zero games throughout the year up until this point. They put him in on fourth and ten to win a game against Washington, and mm-hmm. they threw him the football. Terrible. It was a decent pass by Ben, but McFarlane wasn't open at all. After that moment, it was like they totally gave up on him. He looked good last year during training camp. 
I hope he looks good this year. I haven't been paying as much attention, but we'll see. I think that right now is locked. I have no – there's a lot of people that hate on me about overlooking Jalen Warren and Mateo Durant. I have no hope that they'll make the team. None. Like, I just haven't seen anything, and I just don't think that they're splash players as of right now. Jalen Warren reminds me of Doug Martin. It's like a little hamster. Um, Respect. Najee Harris getting 300-plus touches. Touch on this real quick. Did you see that he said that he'll touch the ball 500 times and then said he was like, oh, it's the media that has a problem with it. You want to know why we have a problem with it? Because for the last six years, we've sat around watching Steelers running backs touch the ball 300 times and then be hurt in the playoffs. So at some point, you got you got to give it to somebody else. Yeah. 300 should turn into 200 real, 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 real quick. Um, all right. Jump to wide receivers, but first, you know what it is. We got a word from our boys at Manscaped. It's officially summertime, and everybody talks about looking good for the warmer months, but few have the balls to do it. Well, it's time to nut up or shut up and take the easiest step to looking sexy this summer by using Manscaped. Manscaped's ultra smooth package makes sure that you have the proper care for down there and their Boxers 2.0 gives you the perfect stage to show off your new look. These products may look may make you look hot, but your cleanly shaved nethers will keep you cool, and the Boxers 2.0 patent and jewel pouch technology will keep your boys from turning any beach day into a swamp day. Dive headfirst into summer by joining the 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash Steelers20. The smooth pa- the ultra smooth package is a specialized three-step groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking crop shaver razor, crop exfoliator, and crop gel. This kit is the perfect polish to make your family jewels shine. Step one, the crop exfoliator. Infused with the ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed, the Crop Exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. Step two, Crop Gel. See when you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. It's called your delicate area for a reason. This is one place you do not want to go into blind. And step three. It's time to shave. The crop shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. This razor has three precision blades, include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. All three of these vegan cruelty-free and sulfate-free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands and without compromise. Once you have your hog and prize worthy of condition, grab your Grab yourself a pair of Manscaped Boxers 2.0. They are ultra soft, moisture wicking, cooling, anti-chafing masterpieces. Fit for a king and made for your royal scepter. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code STEALERS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code STEALERS20 at manscaped.com. There are so few perfect summer days. Don't let hot, sweaty balls ruin them. Stay fresh, stay clean, and stay smelling good with Manscaped. That was a good one. 
That was a good one. I'm liking these ultra smooth dude, that's summer a, that's ones. That's a mouthful, man. Like, dude, that's a marathon for you to read. Yeah, yeah, but some of them, some of them are way worse than others. Some of them are like four minutes, and I'm in there like saying words I've never even heard of. <laughs> these ones, the ultra smooth package is beautiful. Every time I say it, I'm just like, oh, this was, this was smooth. This was ultra smooth. Um, all right, let's answer a couple questions. We we still want to talk about the wide receivers. We still want to talk about the secondary depth and obviously defensive end who's going to replace Stefan to with the addition of Larry Ogunjobi and a USFL guy, Doug Costin. Ronald here. Will Mark Robinson do anything in a few years? We got the raw talent. So according to Madden, Mark Robinson is better than half of the Steelers inside linebackers because they already ranked them, rated them a 66, which is above like Robert Spillane, Marcus Allen, Ulysses Gilbert III. I'll say this. What I've seen from Mark Robinson is this dude is the fastest guy in the linebacker room by a mile, but he's built like a running back. I mean, he used to play running back. He got recruited to Ole Miss as a running back. Beefed up, played linebacker. He looks like a linebacker, runs like a running back. It is raw talent, but I think that they have the pieces in place to turn him into something. Do I think he's going to be a superstar? Nope. But – I mean, I think he's going to be just fine in a couple of years, at least bare minimum. I expect this guy to be a special teams contributor in the next two years. I hope that the Steelers do not let him hit waivers before they put him on the practice squad, because it would really suck to see him leave like Quincy Roche did and then go make an impact somewhere else. Um, I believe that's it. Let's head into the wide receivers. Obviously you got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Calvin Austin. I think those are all a locks. Personally, I believe Gunnar Olszewski is also a lock, but that's open for interpretation. They're going to keep six guys. Four of them are guarantees. I believe that those final two spots will likely be Gunnar, Anthony Miller, Cody White, Miles Boykin, Steven Sims, Maybe Tyler Vaughn, if you want to put him in there. And then who's Tyler Sneed, little 5'4 Tyler Sneed. This year is Maxton, Matthew Sexton. Who's your guesses at locking in those final two spots for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, I think this needs to come with a grain of salt because I have not had the privilege of watching them at OTAs like you have. Uh, because apparently Gunnar Olszewski is like the second coming of Ryan Switzer. And so, like, th- th- this dude's going to, like, take a roster <laughs> spot, and he's, he's, he's going to... Let me clear that up real quick. Real quick. <laughs> that is an insult upon insult to what Gunner is capable of doing. Ryan Switzer was me trying to be a punt returner and a 5'8 wide receiver. He did what he could do. I think Ryan Switzer got a lot more hate than he deserved. You know, should he have been the third guy in the starting slot receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers? No, I don't know how that happened, but it did. Dude, Gunner's good. Gunner's, Gunner's like actually good. He's a he's a he's a first team All Pro as a kick returner. So I think that Red Switzer you know, was a really good kick returner in college and with the Cowboys before the Steelers traded for him too. Yeah, for like eight games. I feel like it's different if you're a good special teamer in New England, because like New England's they have New England's got great special teams. No, for sure, but like, is it like good special teams is good special teams no matter where you play. But see, 
That's, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that one. Because, like, the Steelers have awful special teams for a long time. They Very did not. They, yeah. And, like, but, like, Ryan Switzer was part of that, that awful special teams. Deontay, you know, like, Deontay Johnson looks like a good special teamer for a little while. Then he looks like a bad special teamer. Well, that's because he can't hang on to the football. Can't hang on to the football. Cam Sutton was the leading SEC punt returner his final year in college. I've never seen him return a punt one time for the Steelers. You know, I think Gunner's proven himself at the NFL level. I think expectations should be higher. Plus, I've I've gone on and on and on about how this dude is never not open. That'll change with pads, obviously. I have to keep those expectations limited. But, dude, Gunner, like, he's fast, man. Like, he's fast. I don't know what he was running from. Like, he's a country boy from Texas. What were you running from? That you're Bro, that have elusive. you seen the the like creatures and stuff in Texas? No, dude, I'm still caught pass, up on... man, dude. I would be running every day if I lived down there. What happens outside of Pennsylvania? We were on a podcast a week ago. Shout out Britsburg Owen, mm-hmm. and we're talking to Mark down in Australia, and he's telling us that everything down there eats, breathes, and sneezes human killing. Now, yeah, Texas yeah bro, is crazy he's, too. he's like, do you guys have uh, do you guys have hunting spiders? And we're like, yeah. what? And he's like, yeah, yeah like, like spiders like as big as like your hand. Yeah. Like, yeah. Walk you around. Got, like they, they, they caught on one at the you? gym and I like fell over. And we're like, no, we don't have that. He's like, bro, do you have birds that swoop you? And like, dude, yeah. what are you talking about? Nah, never, dude. Never, never. I've never looked at a bird the same since that day. <laughs> never. Back All on right, target, so, though. Yeah. Gunner. Gunner. You don't have to. I have not seen Gunner. If, if I am taking your word for Gunner, it sounds like he's a lock. Okay, so that that would essentially give us one more spot in the receiver room. Do you use that for the better receiver? Do you use that for the better special teamer? Do you try to find a guy who's probably better at both? Um, you know, you can make cases for. I, I think it boils down to me for Cody White and Miles Boykin. Oh, okay. I like the Cody White take. Why do you feel Dude, Cody they White's like him? There? The Steelers really like, like Cody White, bro. They do. They do. I used to get phone calls at. One, two in the morning. Yo, Cody White's getting on the roster. I'm telling you, he's getting on the roster. I was like, all right, sounds good. Talked about it all last year. Dude got hurt. They didn't cut him. I was like, well, that that's a weird coincidence. And then, boom, he actually ends up on the actual roster at one point in the season. Cody White, maybe. I think Cody White's got a better shot than people realize. I think because he could be a good special teamer, I think that's what gives him. Like, I think that he's above Anthony Miller right now. Because I, I don't know, I don't know what Anthony Miller could bring to special teams, and like that sixth guy doesn't have to be able to catch the football. All he's got to be able to do is play special teams and play. See if, if we're if we're basing it off that dude, Miles Boykin was a, not a great, a great, good special teamer for Baltimore. Yeah, I agree. I think he's got a good upper hand too. I think that's why yeah. I agree with you that it could come down to those two, because I think those guys could both play special teams. The question mm-hmm. is, are they going to keep – like, they wouldn't keep them both. They wouldn't keep seven. So, one of them would have to no. replace Gunner. And I think that's that's a whole other bag of worms. Because you replace Gunner, like, who are you going to make your return, man? Because it's not going to be either one of those guys. It'd have to be, like, Anthony McFarlane, which I think is a risk. You're not going to put Deontay back there. That Like, that – you know what I mean? No, that opens I, a whole I think, I think you keep Gunner on the roster – would, yeah. If if he can kind of develop and fine tune his like receiving kill skills, excuse me, um, to match his like return skills. I mean, you you already got your special teams, you know, problem situated right there. 
And then, I mean, like, just, like, having another, like, like gunner on the roster, like yep. you already said. Um, I mean, Boykin has more than proven he's capable of doing that at an NFL level. Um, I think, bro, I honestly really think that's why the Steelers brought him in. I, I don't think they can give a rat's you-know-what about his abilities to catch a football because they're, they're not going to be targeting him three, five times a game. They don't need him catching football. They need really good special teams play, and I think that's what he brings to the table. Yep, me too. Me too. And I think maybe he could play like that fourth. I don't think Calvin Austin's locked to be the fourth guy on the depth chart. I think Gunner and him could compete if they both made the roster. I think Boykin could compete if he made the roster to be that fourth guy, depending on how they want to utilize that stuff. But I agree. He's got to be a special teamer, and he's got to be a good one. And I think the fact that he is an all-pro gives him an upper hand, and I also think that that's why people got to stop talking about Anthony Miller because I really, really do not believe Anthony Miller is going to make this team. It's the same thing about Justin Lane and James Pierre. The reason that Justin Lane has such a big upper hand to make the Steelers roster over James Pierre is because Justin Lane is an excellent gunner. He is not good at anything else, but he's an excellent gunner. And Mike Tomlin acknowledges that year after year, and that's what they want him to do is be a gunner. James Pierre was here to be an outside cornerback and turn into what it was, but I think that's the same thing with wide receiver, 100%. There is a question in here from Michael. Haven't seen a lot of people talk about the competition at inside linebacker, outside of the obvious starters. That's a good question. Do you think Buddy Johnson, I think it's going to be Buddy Johnson, Robert Spillane, and then a third guy. How do you see that panning out? Do you think this is the year Buddy Johnson takes a leap and becomes that primary backup? I think so, yeah. Buddy's shown some really good things, um, at least in a short time with the Steelers. And um, we've seen Robert Spillane's career kind of slowly drop down from the, the moment the moment he stopped Derrick Henry dead in his tracks, <laughs> which I, like, I still think they need to give him a key to the city for that. Facts. I think he should have a pass to whatever he wants to do in that city because yeah. he's like the only human being I have ever seen do that to Derrick Henry. Um, so I, I think you, you look at Spillane's like trajectory, you look at the, the potential Buddy Johnson, like can do, or like what he can be, at least whenever you compare him to like, um, Ulysses Gilbert, um, I, th I no. feel like I'm a little bit higher on Marcus Allen than a lot of people are, um, love Marcus just because Allen. like, no, not for sure. Especially in like, like nickel scenarios where like, you're going to need like a coverage linebacker. Um, I, I probably favor him a little bit more than a guy like UG3 or like Spillane, obviously, like he, he's not really known to being a cover guy or even like Buddy Johnson too. But like the hype train around Buddy's real. Like it's really real. Yeah, I agree. I think Buddy looked good at minicamp. I would have liked him, like to see him play a little bit more last season. I think that is what it is. You know what I mean? He's a fourth round rookie. You can't be like, oh man, he didn't get on the field. Like, okay. But I do think he's got all the athleticism. I think this is the year that he could take that leap. And I expect him to take that leap. Robert Splane, just like you said, like, dude, at some point, like, come on, man. If you ran into Derrick Henry full force on the goal line and stopped him, five things just happened to you. One, your life expectancy just dropped by 35 years, bare minimum. Two, you became a legend. A legend, because in 40 years, we're going to be telling our kids about Robert Spillane stuffing Derrick Henry at the goal line. And that's, you know, people are going to be like, who's Robert Spillane? Oh, dude, you just stuffed Robert or Derrick Henry at the goal line. You got to look at this play. Um, three, your career is instantly going downwards because, you know, your body just, like I said, took at least a dozen years off your life. That's insane. 
And I think that's the big three, but that's all I got right now. I, I still think he's got an opportunity to, to play this season. I definitely expect him to uh, be on the roster and in that bare minimum be, you know, a contributor and definitely a special sure. teamer. No, he, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, no, no. The Steelers need to do a good job of putting these guys in positions to where they can succeed. Robert Spillane is not a coverage linebacker. Like he should not be out on the field and like obvious passing downs, like like him on any tight end or him on any running back is just like a nightmare. Okay. Yep. What he is really good at is he is really good at stopping the run. He's very very good at clogging running lanes and just making sure running backs don't get any extra yardage than they need to be. Um, almost the same as like a couple of years ago, whenever the Steelers had John Bostic. Like everybody clowned on John Bostic for being this like terrible middle linebacker. He was Pro Football Focus's number one um, run stopping inside linebacker. Yep. Like like That's just just are. make sure make sure you don't put. And I'm looking at Keith Butler whenever I say this. Just make sure you don't put guys like I don't know Vince Williams on Keenan <laughs> Allen in a freaking Sunday night football game, dude. Do you remember yeah. the time Bud Dupree was on Julio Jones? Like like I do. like out by the sideline, like. Yeah, no man's land, bro. Yep, that's. A, I mean, they cannot continue to do that. They can't continue to do that. I, I hope that that changes. I mean, Brian Flores sees that he's got to at least bare minimum slap God Mike Tomlin in the face. Yep. I know, I know that happens one time, dude. It's you can't. You have to just look, Mike. Yeah, all the blame has to go on Mike Tomlin. All of it. You can't. If that happens this season, at, at this point, we've given up on. Oh, it's the defensive coordinator. It's Mike Tomlin. I agree with that. I think that everybody's got different. Like everybody in this linebacker room is specialized in different things. I think Buddy Johnson has the athleticism to be that guy that could be a lot more than the rest of them. I don't know though. I think it's still going to be a giant question mark. Training camp's going to show us how developed Buddy Johnson actually is. But I would say, I'd say I expect bigger things from him this year. I expect Mark Allen to be that third guy just because he's a good special teamer. Yep. The the issue with me there is that. I'm nervous about getting rid about putting Mark Robinson on waivers. That makes me very, very nervous. All right, before we get into defensive end, outside linebacker behind TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, I think right now, obviously, Jannard Avery is expected to be that guy, but he didn't take any snaps during minicamp. Derek Tushka and Tazar Skipper are going to be the guys who they call upon to try and fill that role. I feel awful about both of those. Like, awful about both of those and i hope that they add somebody at some point i would say that tuzar skipper looked way better than Derek tushka at minicamp it's it's easy to look good in shorts and helmets at outside linebacker but skipper looks bigger quicker and just you know he looks like the preseason hero that he was three years ago to Derek tushka oh dude dude Derek tushka is just a guy you know drives a blue truck with a with a uh, fire extinguisher, like a blue little tiny Jeep. It looks like a golf cart with a fire extinguisher right next to the thing. I'm pretty sure it's one seater, like just as North Dakota as it gets. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, there's no hope there, you know? No, Gennard no not at all. Like, we, really we were good. talking about the tackle depth. Yeah. It, it kind of mirrors itself on the outside. And if you look at the defense, I mean, if like, if Watt or Highsmith go down, just, fully expected production to drop 
Um, I am so tired of Steeler fans talking about Tuzar Skipper like he's Lawrence Taylor. That dude has been nothing but potential the last couple years. Yeah. He has never materialized into anything. Can we stop yeah. treating him like he's this phenomenal football player? Because he's not. Hey, dude, he broke the preseason sack record for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. I am so happy I- for him. Tuzar Skipper is a guy that should be good. You know, like he he should be a dude who makes plays, but he's just not. You know, he's just – that's just who he is. He is. He's a he's a big boy. He's yeah. a dude no, who's, sure. big, who's no, he's got huge. all the physical stuff going on. He just doesn't – it just doesn't materialize, which, like, you can't expect anything crazy. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's an undrafted guy. He had his opportunity. He played a couple of games in Tennessee. We'll see. I, I talked to him, and what stood out to me is that he's like, dude, I got to stop bouncing around the NFL. He's like, it's annoying to move all the time. He's like, I just want to find a home. I hope that's Pittsburgh. I don't – I have no idea. I think that's the most concerning area for me when it comes to the defense. Let's talk about defensive end to close this out here. Signed Larry Ogunjobi. They just signed Doug Costin out of the USFL. Chris Wormley's obviously there, and then they picked up – are they – Drafted to Marvin Leal in the third round. How do you see that competition playing out? Who do you think walks off as the winner? Yeah, I, I think Leal's kind of more that uh, more that like Cam Hayward Jr. role right now. Like, it, like I'm really hoping Leal kind of sticks to Cam Hayward's like every move, like like follows him around like a puppy pretty much. Because I think I think he's probably the potential successor to him um, if Leal can fulfill his potential. When you're looking at trying to replace Stefan to it. Did you just say DeMarvin Leal is going to play defensive tackle? I mean, dude, like he 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 can be he's the like, Cam Hayward's replacement. He's like 275 pounds. <laughs> Bro, that's not little. He's little. Compared to Cam Hayward, he's very little. Well, yeah, Cam Hayward compared to anybody is a giant. Yeah. Even in the DeMarvin Leal's a pass rusher. I think he'd play defensive end, but I see where you're going with. All right, go ahead. Stephon Tewitt was a pass rusher, but Stephon Tewitt was like six Ste- foot ten. Dude, Stephon Tewitt made Cam Hayward look small at times. It's actually not how big Stephon Tewitt was. Yeah. Um, all right, but I see where you're going. Go ahead. I, I, I think if if we're trying to narrow it down, like who's going to replace Tewitt's production this year, um, like for me, it's basically down to Ogunjobi and Wormley. Um, dude, we, we've talked so many times about how like the Steelers really prefer um, – they're they're like veteran guys who like have been in the building. They, they know what they're supposed to do. Um, not that Ogunjobi isn't a veteran or he doesn't know what he's supposed to do, but like warmly at least like has that kind of like click and like connection to him. I don't think Ogunjobi came here to be a backup. Like I, I understand like the, the contract he signed was a lot less than the one he should have signed with the Chicago Bears, but we are talking about a legitimate starting caliber defensive lineman in the NFL. I don't think he came here to play second fiddle to Chris Wormley. And that is no dig at Chris Wormley. Chris Wormley, whenever he does play at defensive end, has done fairly well rushing the ball. But I think you said it best episodes ago. Chris Wormley just comes and splashes. Like yeah. you you never see Chris Wormley start to finish do what he does. Larry Ogunjobi, while he's not Jadavion Clowney, he's not like any like super top tier defensive end in the National Football League. Ogunjobi has proven time and time again that he has a potential to be something really solid along a defensive yeah. line that will feature a guy like Cam Hayward. 
that'll free up guys like TJ Watt, Alex Heisman. That, that, I think this is Ogunjobi's job to lose. I, I really, really do. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's going to get first-team reps and then Chris Wormley is going to drop down to the second team. I actually think more than anything, probably be vice versa or they're going to split first-team reps heading to training camp. But, like, Larry Ogunjobi is a better football player than Chris Wormley, and I fully expect that to materialize whenever training camp rolls around. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I, I think I was – and I still stand with the opinion that Chris Wormley will have to lose the job but I think he will lose the job. And that's no dig at Wormley. I think Wormley is a phenomenal role piece, and I would love to see him because I don't think DeMarvin Leal is ready to play significant snaps yet. I like Chris Wormley as the role player at defensive end, Isaiah Loudermilk as the role player at defensive tackle, and then Monty Adams as the role player in the nose tackle. I think that finally gives the Steelers the depth that they've needed for years. And then you have DeMarvin Leal, Maybe Doug Costin, if that's a guy that they want to roll into the active roster. Maybe Henry Mondu. Larry's obviously better. And it's if they started Chris Wormley, it'd be a pride thing. Like, oh, you know, this is this is a guy who's been here. Loyalty. It's all about loyalty. This is the NFL. Okay. There's no loyalty. Play the best players. Larry Ogunjobi's by far the best player. By like no, it, for easy. sure. I think I think too. This doesn't need to be like a clear cut like one A one B kind of thing. Um, they should be able to like rotate, like like as often as they need to. Like I I, I feel more confident with Ogunjobi on the field, but at the same time, like if Chris Wormley is, is like on the field and it's like like a passing situation, for example, like we know he can get to the quarterback. Like like yeah. I, I am not upset if Chris Wormley takes over this like third down like pass rusher specialist role. You know, no, me neither. Me neither. And, and my only worry for Wormley is that Ogan Joby's also a good pass rusher. And, mm-hmm. you know, if Ogan Joby's having an eight sack season, I'm not taking him off the field. You know, like, no, I agree. Wormley could go on when he's tired. And, and like, that's a, like, you know, that's just more of like, I like Chris Wormley. I hope he gets opportunities. But we know what Chris Wormley is. Ogan Joby, I mean, Ogan Joby was set to be the answer for the Chicago Bears to replace Eddie Goldman. That was their that was their dude. And he failed a physical, and now he's in Pittsburgh. And I think that if Ogunjobi signed in March, it will it would have eliminated all of this. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. It'd be like, oh yeah, Larry Ogunjobi's the starting defensive end. Like easy. You know, it's just the fact that it happened after minicamp. I I think what helps him and getting earlier snaps with the first team is the fact that Chris Wormley didn't practice during minicamp for some reason. Yeah, so that it's not like they're, you know, already working that out that system, working him there. I get he started last year, but I don't know. Ogan Joby's the dude that I look at and say, I think we both say, you know, you could literally fix this defensive line. Ogan Joby could be the answer that puts this all back together because I thought Stefan Tua could have been that guy too if he played well. It's a big if, but I, I mean, I, like anybody who's like, oh, Ogan Joby's not going to be good. Well, what have you been watching? Like, <laughs> where you been at? Because Ogan be Joby's good. good. Oh, he should. You see that? See me just fall there? No, I hit the button on the side of my chair. Right down. Right down. He should be good. I think he is good. it's all going to depend on the health of his foot, which, you know, Dr. Bradley literally just won an award the other day or got into the hall of fame or something. So 
I hope he knows what he's talking about. If you're a Hall of Fame doctor in the NFL, I would I would I would trust your physical on a guy who just had foot surgery. For sure. Yeah. So I think Ogan Doby's the move. Outside of that, before we head out here, uh the starting wide receivers, it, it's gonna be Deontay one, Chase Claypool two, George Pickens three. I I expect Chase to play a lot of slot this year. Like a lot of slot this year. Um, but I also expect George Pickens to play a lot of slot as well, because I think they're both really good with the football in their hands. I think they'll just utilize them. You know, like they'll Deontay is not a slot guy. He doesn't work well in the middle of the field, but the rest of them do. Like the re- like George Pickens, like I said, I realized George Pickens was nuts when he caught a football in the middle of the field and outran seven, seven dudes down the sideline. So I think that they'll all be utilized there. I'm more interested to see where Calvin Austin is utilized how much they put him on the outside compared to the inside, because I think he's good on the outside. He's just five, eight, which is very, doesn't help when you're trying to play on the boundary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you're five, eight chances are in the NFL, you're never going to touch the outside, but I mean, he makes big boy plays. So maybe dude, I was going to say, man, you you get him on the outside and like, there's no safety lurking. I mean, pop it over right out. Yeah. He'll outrun everybody. That's the thing. Yeah. And I, you know, I expect all of them except for Deontay to move around. I expect the Steelers offense to look very different m- multiple times throughout the game. I also expect a lot of 13 personnel, Connor Hayward to line up in weird positions. And I, you know, I could even see like Najee lining up at slot and trying to utilize him that way. I think Matt Cannon is going to throw everything he's got out there. He needs to. Yeah, he needs to. He needs to. So I think that's the way we're looking at it. All right, I got to go get a tattoo. So we appreciate everybody. Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk, and find us anywhere you get your podcast. Like this video, go use our promo code Steelers20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. I'll be back tomorrow with Derek. Enjoy your night. Peace. (laughs) 